0: Good evening, and welcome to the Sleep with Josh podcast. It's the podcast where you sleep with Josh. I am comedian Josh Yang, and every episode I read various pieces of literature in my trademark monotone voice to help you drift off to sleep literature like the dictionary laws various manuals the different terms of services that everyone agrees to but never really reads and other random boring ideas this podcast will deliver readings of open source and public domain material while also reviewing and adding commentary to other subject materials in respect of fair use and fair dealing. In respect of the current Black Lives Matter protests in the United States and around the world, we will be continuing to read the landmark Civil Rights Act of 1964. In our last episode, I read through titles 1, to four, covering voting rights, public accommodations, desegregation of public facilities, and desegregation of public education. I will next start with Title V, the Commission on Civil Rights. So sit back, close your eyes, and open your ears, because you'll get tired and woke of this podcast. Guaranteed. Civil Rights Act of 1964. Title V. Commission on Civil Rights. Section 501. Section 102 of the Civil Rights Act of 1957, in brackets, 42 U.S.C., 1975A, 71 Stat. 634, is amended to read as follows, in quotes, Rules of Procedure of the Commission Hearings, Section 102. A. Publication in Federal Register At least thirty days prior to the commencement of any hearing, the commission shall cause to be published in the Federal Register notice of the date on which such hearing is to commence the place at which it is to be held, and the subject of the hearing. The chairman, or one designated by him to act as chairman at a hearing of the commission, shall announce in an opening statement the subject of the hearing. Subsection B. A copy of the Commission's rules shall be made available to any witness before the Commission, and a witness compelled to appear before the Commission or required to produce written or other matter shall be served with a copy of the Commission's rules at the time of service of the subpoena. Subsection C. Right of Counsel. Any person compelled to appear in person before the Commission shall be accorded the right to be accompanied and advised by counsel who shall have the right to submit his client to reasonable examination and to make objections on the record and to argue briefly the basis for such objections. The commission shall proceed with reasonable dispatch to conclude any hearing in which it is engaged Due regard shall be had for the convenience and necessity of witnesses. Subsection D. The chairman or acting chairman may punish breaches of order and decorum by censure and exclusion from the hearings. Subsection E. Executive Sessions. If the commission determines that evidence or testimony at any hearing may tend to defame, degrade, or incriminate any person, it shall receive such evidence or testimony or summary of such evidence or testimony in executive session. The commission shall afford any person defamed, degraded, or incriminated by such evidence or testimony an opportunity to appear and be heard in executive session with a reasonable number of additional witnesses requested by him before deciding to use such evidence or testimony. In the event the commission determines to release or use such evidence or testimony in such manner as to reveal publicly the identity of the person defamed, degraded, or incriminated, such evidence or testimony prior to such public release or use, shall be given at a public session, and the commission shall afford such person an opportunity to appear as a voluntary witness, or to file a sworn statement in his behalf, and to submit brief and pertinent sworn statements of others, the commission shall receive and dispose of requests from such person to subpoena additional witnesses subsection f except as provided in sections 102 and 105 f of this act the chairman shall receive and the commission shall dispose of requests to subpoena additional witnesses subsection g testimony release restrictions no evidence or testimony or summary of evidence or testimony taken in executive session may be released or used in public sessions without the consent of the commission whoever releases or uses in public without the consent of the commission such evidence or testimony taken in executive session shall be fined not more than one thousand dollars or imprisoned for not more than one year I would definitely take the $1,000 fine. Subsection H. In the discretion of the commission, witnesses may submit brief and pertinent sworn statements in writing for inclusion in the record. The commission shall determine the pertinency of testimony and evidence adduced at its hearings. Subsection I. Transcript Copies. Every person who submits data or evidence shall be entitled to retain or, on payment of lawfully prescribed costs, procure a copy or transcript thereof except that a witness in a hearing held in executive session may for good cause be limited to inspection of the official transcript of his testimony. Transcript copies of public sessions may be obtained by the public upon the payment of the cost thereof. An accurate transcript shall be made of the testimony of all witnesses at all hearings, either public or executive sessions, of the commission or of any subcommittee thereof. Subsection J. Witness Fees. A witness attending any session of the commission shall receive $6.00 for each day's attendance, and for the time necessarily occupied in going to and returning from the same, and ten cents per mile for going from and returning to his place of residence. Witnesses who attend at points, so far removed from their respective residences, as to prohibit return thereto from Day to day shall be entitled to an additional allowance of $10 per day for expenses of subsistence, including the time necessarily occupied in going to and returning from the place of attendance. Mileage payments shall be tendered to the witness upon service of a subpoena issued on behalf of the commission or any subcommittee thereof. I really hope they're updating these stipends with the cost of living, because that's ridiculous. $10 a day, $0.10 per mile. Okay. Subsection K. Subpoena of Witnesses the commission shall not issue any subpoena for the attendance and testimony of witnesses or for the production of written or other matter which would require the presence of the party subpoenaed at a hearing to be held outside of the state wherein the witness is found or resides or is domiciled or transacts business, or has appointed an agent for a receipt of service of process except that, in any event, the commission may issue subpoenas for the attendance and testimony of witnesses and the production of written or other matter at a hearing held within 50 miles of of the place where the witness is found or resides or is domiciled or transacts business or has appointed an agent for receipt of service of process. I think that entire thing was one sentence. Yeah, subsection K is one sentence. Wow. Paragraph 1. Organization, Statement, etc. Publication in Federal Register. The Commission shall separately state and currently publish in the Federal Register 1 descriptions of its central and field organization, including the established places at which and methods were by. The public may secure information or make requests. 2. Statements of the general course and method by which its functions are channeled and determined. And 3. Rules adopted as authorized by law. No person shall in any manner be subject to or required to resort to rules organization or procedure not so published section 502 is section 103 subsection a of the Civil Rights Act of 1957 42 USC 1975 B subsection a 71 stat 634 is amended to read as follows. Section 103, Payments to Members, Subsection A. Each member of the Commission who is not otherwise in the service of the Government of the United States shall receive the sum of $75 per day for each day spent in the work of of the commission shall be paid actual travel expenses and per diem in lieu of subsistence expenses when away from his usual place of residence in accordance with section 5 of the administrative expenses act of 1946 as amended section 503 Section 103B of the Civil Rights Act of 1957 is amended to read as follows. Subsection B. Each member of the Commission who is otherwise in the service of the Government of the United States shall serve without compensation. In addition to that received for such other service, but while engaged in the work of the commission, shall be paid actual travel expenses, and per diem, in lieu of subsistence expenses when away from his usual place of residence, in accordance with the provisions of the Travel Expenses Act of 1949, as amended. Section 504 of A, Section 104, Subsection A, of the Civil Rights Act of 1957, as amended, is further amended to read as follows. The Duties of the Commission. Section 104, Subsection A. The Commission shall, one, investigate allegations in writing under oath or affirmation that certain citizens of the United States are being deprived of their right to vote and have that vote counted by reason of their color, race, religion, or national origin, which writing under oath or affirmation shall set forth the facts Upon which such belief or beliefs are based. 2. The Commission shall study and collect information concerning legal developments constituting a denial of equal protection of the laws under the Constitution because of race, color, religion or national origin, or in the administration of justice. 3. The Commission shall appraise the laws and policies of the federal government with respect to denials of equal protection of the laws under the Constitution because of race, color, religion, or national origin, or in the administration of justice. Four. The commission shall serve as a national clearinghouse for information in respect to denials of equal protection of the laws because of race, color, religion, or national origin, including but not limited to the fields of voting, education, housing, employment, the use of public facilities, and transportation, or in the administration of justice. 5. The Commission shall investigate allegations made in writing and under oath or affirmation that citizens of the United States are unlawfully being accorded or denied the right to vote, or to have their votes properly counted in any election of presidential electors, members of the United States Senate, or of the House of Representatives, as a result of any patterns or practice of fraud or discrimination in the conduct of such election. six. Nothing in this or any other act shall be construed as authorizing the commission, its advisory committees, or any person under its supervision or control to inquire into or investigate any membership practices or internal operations of any fraternal organization, any college or university fraternity, or sorority any private club or any religious organization huh so this paragraph six doesn't allow the commission to look into private organizations fraternal organizations college or university fraternity or sorority or private club or religious organization so that's where you can commit acts against the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Subsection B. Section 104, subsection B, of the Civil Rights Act of 1957, as amended, is further amended by striking out the present subsection B and by substituting, therefore, subsection B. Reports to the President and Congress. As in, the Commission shall submit interim reports to the President and to the Congress at such times as the Commission, the Congress, or the President shall deem desirable and shall submit to the President and to the Congress a final report of its activities, findings, and recommendations not later than January 31st, 1968. Section 505 is Section 105, subsection A of the Civil Rights Act of 1957 is amended by striking out in the last sentence thereof $50 per diem and inserting in lieu thereof $75 per diem. Section 506 Powers of Section 105 Subsection F and Section 105 Subsection G of the Civil Rights Act of 1957 are amended to read as follows. Subsection F The Commission or on the authorization of the commission, any subcommittee of two or more members, at least one of whom shall be of each major political party, may, for the purpose of carrying out the provisions of this act, hold such hearings and act at such times and places as the commission or such authorized su- subcommittee may deem advisable. Subpoenas for the attendance and testimony of witnesses or the production of written or other matter may be issued in accordance with the rules of the commission as contained in section 102, subsections J and K of this act over the signature of the chairman of the commission or of such subcommittee, and may be served by any person designated by such chairman. The holding of hearings by the commission or the appointment of a subcommittee to hold hearings pursuant to this subparagraph must be approved by a majority of the commission, or by a majority of the members present at a meeting at which at least a quorum of four members is present. Subsection G. In case of contumacy, contumacy, or refusal to obey a subpoena, any district court of the United States, or the United States court, of any territory or possession, or the District Court of the United States for the District of Columbia, within the jurisdiction of which inquiry is carried on, or within the jurisdiction of which said person guilty of contumacy, contumacy, or refusal to obey is found or resigns or is domiciled, or transacts business, or has appointed an agent for receipt of services of, receipt of service of process, upon application by the Attorney General of the United States, shall have jurisdiction to issue to such person an order requiring such person To appear before the commission, or a subcommittee thereof, there to produce pertinent, relevant, and non-privileged evidence, if so ordered, or there to give testimony, touching the matter under investigation, and any failure to obey such order of the court may be punished by said court as a contempt thereof another run-on sentence section 507 section 105 of the Civil Rights Act of 1957 as amended by section 401 of the Civil Rights Act of 1960 is further amended by adding a new subsection at the end to read as follows subsection I the Commission shall have the power to make such rules and regulations as are necessary to carry out the purposes of this act. Title 6 Non-Discrimination in Federally Assisted Programs Section 601 No person in the United States shall, on the ground of race, color, or national origin, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under, any program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Section 602. Rules governing grants, loans, and contracts. Each federal department and agency which is empowered to extend federal financial assistance to any program or activity by way of grant, loan, or contract other than a contract of assurance or guarantee is authorized and directed to effectuate the provisions of Section 601 With respect to such program or activity, by issuing rules, regulations, or orders of general applicability, which shall be consistent with achievement of the objectives of the statute authorizing the financial assistance in connection with which the action is taken, no such rule regulation or order shall become effective unless and until approved by the president compliance with any requirement adopted pursuant to this section may be affected one by the termination of or refusal to grant or to continue assistance under such program or activity to any recipient as to whom there has been an express finding on the record, after opportunity for hearing of a failure to comply with such requirement, but such termination or refusal shall be limited to the particular political entity, or part thereof, or other recipient as to whom such a finding has been made, and shall be limited in its effect to the particular program or part thereof in which such non-compliance has been so found. Or, two, by any other means authorized by law, provided, however, that no such action shall be taken until the department or agency concerned has advised the appropriate person or persons of the failure to comply with the requirement and has determined that compliance cannot be secured by voluntary means. In the case of any action terminating or refusing the grant or continue assistance because of failure to comply with a requirement imposed, pursuant to this section, the head of the federal department or agency shall file with the committees of the House and Senate, having legislative jurisdiction over the program or activity involved a full written report of the circumstances and the grounds for such action. No such action shall become effective until 30 days have elapsed after the filing of such report. Section 603 Judicial Review Any department or agency action taken pursuant to Section 602 shall be subject to such judicial review as may otherwise be provided by law for similar action taken by such department or agency on other grounds. In the case of action not otherwise subject to judicial review, terminating or refusing to grant or to continue financial assistance upon a finding of failure to comply with any requirement imposed pursuant to Section 602, Any person aggrieved, including any state or political subdivision thereof, and any agency of either, may obtain judicial review of such action in accordance with Section 10 of the Administrative Procedure Act. And such action shall not be deemed committed to unreviewable agency discretion within the meaning of that section section 604 nothing contained in this title shall be construed to authorize action under this title by any agency or department with respect to any employment practice of any employer employment agency or labor organization except where a primary objective of the federal financial assistance is to provide employment. Section 605. Nothing in this title shall add to or detract from any existing authority with respect to any program or activity under which federal financial assistance is extended by way of a contract of insurance or guarantee title 7 equal employment opportunities this is a big one definitions section 701 for the purposes of this title subsection a the term person includes one or more individuals labor unions partnerships Associations, corporations, legal representatives, mutual companies, joint stock companies, trusts, unincorporated organizations, trustees, trustees in bankruptcy, or receivers. Subsection B. The term employer means a person engaged in an industry affecting commerce who has 25 or more employees for each working day in each of 20 or more calendar weeks in the current or preceding calendar year, and any agent of such a person. But such term does not include one, the United States, a corporation wholly owned by the government of the United States, an Indian tribe, or a state or political subdivision thereof, Two, a bona fide private membership club, in brackets, other than a labor organization, in bracket, which is exempt from taxation under Section 501C, of the Internal Revenue Code of 1954, provided that during the first year after the effective date prescribed in subsection A of section 716, persons having fewer than 100 employees and their agents shall not be considered employers and during the second year after such date persons having fewer than 75 employees and their agents, shall not be considered employers, and during the third year after such date, persons having fewer than 50 employees and their agents, shall not be considered employers, provided further that it shall be the policy of the United States, to ensure equal employment opportunities for federal employees without discrimination because of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, and the President shall utilize his existing authority to effectuate this policy. Interestingly enough, earlier this week on Monday, the Supreme Court of the United States actually ruled upon this very section of title seven on the fact that lgbtq citizens and employees cannot be discriminated because of race color religion sex or national origin interestingly enough this is the first time i think i it's included sex the previous six titles didn't have as clear a mention of sex. Subsection C. Employment agency. The term employment agency means any person regularly undertaking with or without compensation to procure employees for an employer or to procure for employees' opportunities to work for an employer, and includes an agent of such a person, but shall not include an agency of the United States, or an agency of a state, or political subdivision of a state, except that such terms shall include the United States Employment Service, and the system of state and local employment services, receiving Federal assistance. Subsection D. Labor Organizations. The term labor organization means a labor organization engaged in an industry affecting commerce and any agent of such an organization and includes any organization of any kind, any agency or employee representation committee, group, association, or plan so engaged in which employees participate and which exists for the purpose in whole or in part of dealing with employers concerning grievances, labor disputes, wages, rates of pay, hours, or other terms or conditions of employment, and any conference, general committee, joint or system board, or joint council, so engaged which is subordinate to a national or international labor organization. Subsection E. A labor organization shall be deemed to be engaged in an industry affecting commerce if 1. it maintains or operates a hiring hall or hiring office which procures employees for an employer or procures for employees opportunities to work for an employer or 2. the number of its members or where it is a labor organization composed of other labor organizations or their representatives if the aggregate number of the members of such other labor organization is a 100 or more during the first year after the effective date prescribed in subsection a of section 716 b 75 or more during the second year after such date, or 50 or more during the third year, or c. 25 or more thereafter, and such labor organization, subparagraph 1, is the certified representative of employees under the provisions of the Natural Labor Relations Act, as amended, or the Railway Labor Act, as amended. 2. Although not certified, is a national or international labor organization, or a local labor organization, recognized or acting as the representative of employees of an employer, or employers engaged in an industry affecting commerce, or... Step 3. Has chartered a local labor organization or subsidiary body which is representing or actively seeking to represent employees of employers within the meaning of paragraph 1 or 2. Or 4. Has been chartered by a labor organization representing or actively seeking To represent employees within the meaning of paragraph one or two as the local or subordinate body through which such employees may enjoy membership or become affiliated with such labor organization. Or five is a conference, general committee, joint or system board or joint council subordinate to a national or international labor organization, which includes a labor organization engaged in an industry affecting commerce, within the meaning of any of the preceding paragraphs of this section. Subsection F. Employee. The term employee means an individual employed by an employer subsection g commerce the term commerce means trade traffic commerce okay transportation transmission or communication among the several states or between a state and any place outside thereof or within the district of columbia or a possession of the united states or between points in the same state, but through a point outside thereof. Subsection H. Industry Affecting Commerce The term industry affecting commerce means any activity, business, or industry in commerce, or in which a labor dispute would hinder or obstruct commerce, the free flow of commerce and includes any activity or industry affecting commerce within the meaning of the labor management reporting and disclosure act of 1959 subsection i state the term state includes a state of the united states the district of Columbia, puerto rico the virgin islands American Samoa, Guam, Wake Island, the Canal Zone, and Outer Continental Shelf Lands defined in the Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act. Exemption, Section 702. This title shall not apply to an employer with respect to the employment of aliens outside any state or to a religious corporation, association, or society, with respect to the employment of individuals of a particular religion to perform work connected with the carrying on by such corporation, association, or society, of its religious activities, or to an educational institution, with respect to the employment of Of individuals to perform work connected with the educational activities of such institution discrimination because of race color religion sex or national origin section 703 subsection a unlawful practices it shall be an unlawful employment practice for an employer to one fail or refuse to hire or to discharge any individual or otherwise to discriminate against any individual with respect to his compensation, terms, conditions, or privileges of employment because of such individual's race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, or to It shall be an unlawful employment practice for an employer to limit, segregate, or classify his employees in any way which would deprive or tend to deprive any individual of employment opportunities or otherwise adversely affect his status as an employee because of such individual's race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. Subsection B. Employment Agency. It shall be an unlawful employment practice for an employment agency to fail or refuse to refer for employment, or otherwise to discriminate against any individual because of his race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, or to classify or refer for employment any individual on the basis of his race color religion sex or national origin subsection c labor organizations it shall be unlawful employment practice for a labor organization one to exclude or expel from its membership or otherwise to discriminate against any individual because of his race color religion, sex, or national origin. 2. It shall be an unlawful employment practice for a labor organization to limit, segregate, or classify its membership, or to classify or fail or refuse to refer for employment. Any individual, in any way, which would deprive or tend to deprive any individual of employment opportunities, or would limit such employment opportunities, or otherwise adversely affect his status as an employee, or as an applicant for employment, because of such individual's race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. Or 3. To cause or attempt to cause an employer to discriminate against an individual, in violation of this section. Subsection D Training Programs. It shall be an unlawful employment practice for any employer, labor organization, or joint labor management committee controlling apprenticeship, or other training or retraining, including on the job training programs, to discriminate against any individual because of his race color religion sex or national origin in admission to or employment in any program established to provide apprenticeship or other training subsection e exemptions notwithstanding any other provision of this title one it shall not be an unlawful employment practice for an employer to hire and employ employees for an employment agency to classify or refer for employment any individual for a labor organization to classify its membership or to classify or refer for employment any individual or for an employer labor organization or joint labor management committee controlling apprenticeship or other training or retraining programs to admit or employ any individual... Oh my gosh, keeps going. ...in any such program on the basis of his religion, sex, or national origin. In those certain instances where religion, sex, or national origin is a bona fide occupational qualification reasonably necessary. Oh, so many... Multisyllabic words necessary to the normal operation of that particular business or enterprise. Oh, and it keeps going. Two, it shall not be an unlawful employment practice for a school, college, university, or other educational institution or institution of learning to hire and employ employees of a particular religion, if such school, college, university, or other educational institution or institution of learning is in whole or in substantial part owned, supported, controlled, or managed by a particular religion or by a particular religious corporation, association, or society, or if the curriculum of such school college university or other educational institution or institution of learning is directed toward the propagation of a particular religion i have no idea what any of that meant subsection f as used in this title the phrase unlawful employment practice shall not be deemed to include any section any action or measure taken by an employer, labor organization, joint labor management committee, or employment agency with respect to an individual who is a member of the Communist Party of the United States, or of any other organization required to register as a communist action, or communist front organization, by final order of the subversive Activities Control Board, pursuant to the Subversive Activities Control Act of 1950. All right, I think I'm going to end there at subsection F of Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. We're just getting into the meat of Title Seven. It's a big one. And it's a very important one, uh, especially in respect to most recent landmark decisions by the Supreme Court in regards to LGBTQ employment discrimination uh, within the United States. So we'll continue with Title VII in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Sleep with Josh podcast, and um, I'll see you next time. Good night.